welcome to I Don't Need an Acting Class with Milton Justice. Uh, all right, so Errol's lame attempt to explain why he was late for class, which he thought he could do over text, reminds me of a story. I was business partners with an actress named Lee Grant. Lee Grant was, I don't know, she she was the sought-after actress in the late 40s, and then she was blacklisted and didn't work for 12 years. And then eventually she came back, she won an Oscar for Shampoo. She was a business partner of mine. We did like seven films together. Um, and Lee told me that when she studied at the Neighborhood Playhouse, she studied with Meisner, and she said she was always late to class. <laughs> and Sandy would make her tell the class why she was late. And so it became this thing that the story had to be believable. And it had to be interesting. And somehow or another, the excuse for being late to class became, even that became an an exercise for Meisner. And she said, you know, it was just so difficult for me to be someplace on time. And it was like she was studying to be a star. We'd be flying to L.A., and the, lim- the limo would come and pick us up to take us to the airport. And we were running late because she had to have a conversation with her daughter. And then she'd say, I mean, and this is back before, nobody had a cell phone, but there was a phone in the limo. And she said, call the airlines and tell them that we're on our way. I mean, it was like a complete lack of reality about the world. And I can't even tell you how many times back then Pan Am had their own kind of like first class building and that you didn't have to clear security. We didn't have any of that. I can't tell you how many times we would leap onto the plane as they were shutting the door just because. It... Anyway, so of course she was always going to be late, but, but she told me that she would come up with the most intriguing story about, you know, a man was following her on the subway. And she was decided that she needed to get off the subway and see whether or not he was following her. And so she got off of the subway and waited for the next... I mean, it was just like these intricate tales. Anyway, so, Errol, I I had a flat tire. It's not going to do it in New York. I've already had one fight with Errol today as I was going in to get my hair cut over FaceTime, and George gave me a stool so I could sit outside to talk to Errol. But I won, by the way. Yes. I mean, I'll keep fighting with Errol anyway because Errol is deluded into believing that if he can do a play, uh, I mean, to me, this is like a cliche of an actor. I'm not really good in class with technique things, but you give me a play and I can act. I, I, you know, to me, it's almost like I have to put this in my book of things actors say. 
which is right up there with it happened to me. Anyway, something is keeping us, and I don't know if it's because you're shy or if it's because you're not digging enough, but it just it hits me that something is keeping us from having enough it, it, coming to life, I guess is is yeah. we need more things that make us come to life. Yes, Errol. So when you when we did the exercise about winter, I felt like we a lot of us came to life, and that was from our personal life. So there's there, I think there's a block between doing the exercise from the Russian and our personal life because I don't see how our per- when I did the exercise. No, no, no. Here's the thing. It's a very very good point. You know what brings you to life. So if you know your Russian isn't bringing you to life, what does it tell you you have to do? Find a choice that brings me to life. Yeah. I know what it feels like to be really excited about something that happens in my life. So then I need to be able to say, okay, that is what it feels like. I, I have a feeling it's a reason... See, I've been working under the philosophy of doing something I love, something I hate, which I know has to do with your life, because I want you to know what it feels like to connect. So my problem is, and I understand this issue, I want you to know what it feels like to connect so that you say, okay, I get it. That's what it feels like to connect. I feel When I connect, it's like an orgasm. I, it's so fabulous. So now I have to find the same thing when I'm talking about, you know, being the Russian or being Willie Loman or being Biff Loman or being whatever. It's like, that's what that feels like. And if I don't feel like that, then I've got to work until I do. Does that make sense? I I realize the problem. I I really do realize the problem. I I don't know, quite honestly, how else to teach being connected. I've had this problem forever. You know, technique is a collection, like there are eight notes in music. Maybe there are only eight notes in acting. And one of them is connecting. I do know that if, as an actor, you are connected to what you're talking about, then I don't catch you acting. And you know it. Errol sent me an exercise, and he started out great, and then he, he was pushing it. And he was pushing an effect. And when I accused him of that, he said, yeah, I know. I, I, knew, I, I knew that was happening. So you know. I mean, you do know. I was interviewed for a podcast yesterday. It was a woman that has a podcast for teachers. And she has a whole section called Acting for Teachers. Not acting teachers, but it was just the fact that you have to act in order to teach. And I was laughing about Mark Ruffalo being a pain in the ass. The reason Mark Ruffalo was a pain in the ass was because he knew when he was lying. And it made him nuts. 
And I was talking about when we did Waiting for Godot with her, and I said we were way out of our element. None of us were ready to do this play. And I said Ruffalo stopped in the middle of the stage at one point and went, I am so full of shit! And then he looked at me and he said, I have no idea what I'm doing. To which I commented, neither do I. I just am glad that I'm not on stage with you. It made him nuts. It made him nuts when he, I mean, I can't tell you how many times directing him, and it was a nightmare. Anyway. <laughs> but look, that's the thing. I'm happy that you know when you're lying. I'm happy that you know when you're not connected. So I think what we have to do is an assignment. I think what I want you to do is tell a story about yourself that is a true story and tell a story about yourself that is a lie. And you won't tell anybody which was true and which wasn't. Maybe we'll guess. We'll, we'll figure that out. But I, I want you to begin to identify things that are in your life that are, I, I don't know how to describe it, theater-worthy. I mean, being believable is not enough. It's absolutely essential, but it's not enough. That's where I think we need to continue to exercise. I need to be able to make anything believable, anything. So that's one part of it. And the other part of it is I need to make it interesting. Maybe, I don't know, maybe we want to be memorable. I, I mean, I don't know that that's fair and it may be cheap and it may be a terrible thing to say. But, I mean, if you think of the things you remember from your life, you know, th those events in your life, we should be able to make similar choices in, in the theater where we're not limited just by us. And I promise you, I do honestly think something happens to your body when you come up to, with a great choice. It's, it's just like your whole body feels something. It's like you go, oh, I love that. So I want you all to have uh, some Oh, I love that moment. The other issue is another issue. You know, the other issue, being believable, is yet another issue. And I don't want to act like those are the only two elements, but mm. when Rashad takes, I love my girlfriend, and I don't believe it, and I think to myself, God, that poor woman. You know, and I just kept thinking, oh, God. 
when she calls me one day and says, I don't know what to do with him. He's so boring. And I'm going, and I'll say, I know, I don't know what to do with him either. I, I mean, really seriously, if an actor loves something, the audience should love it. If an actor hates something, the audience should hate it. If the actor is pissed off about something, the audience should be pissed off about it. We should understand that human being so much that it's like, oh my God, I know exactly what she's going through. This is horrifying to confess, but as you know, my former student, Chris Carmack, is, uh, is a series regular on Grey's Anatomy. And so it was a new season and I watched it last night. I don't know. I was doing other things. I was worried about Errol and I was looking at notes and watching Grey's Anatomy, but there was this scene where this intern, and I thought, it was such a cool scene. So there's this plot. It's it's, it's actually a more fun plot. A bus had turned over, and so nine people were left, they thought nine people were left brain dead. And so one of the new interns had gone out and thinking, of course, this is the thinking that he was, because he had to tell the the woman that her son was brain dead and could they use his body parts or whatever. So he told the wrong person. So now the real mother found out that they were about to disembowel her son and she said she doesn't want to, she wants to say goodbye, she wants to bring in another doctor. So he had a scene where he goes to say to her, you know, I had a brother who died and we gave his heart and his liver and his things to somebody. And I have spent my entire life knowing that even though I miss him terribly, but he made it possible for other people to live. And that is something you will have. She said, okay, I'll do it. So they're walking away, and the other intern, this, this attractive girl, turns to him and said, God, I had no idea about your brother. And of course he said, I don't have a brother. But I thought, what a cool thing to be able to play. I mean, that's a really cool plot that I'm trying to talk the woman into letting us have the vital organs of her brain-dead son. And so I'm going to make up a story about, you know. And so, of course, and I got to tell you, when I listened to it, I thought, I would never believe anybody in the medical profession, ever. Although I did suggest to Walker, who's getting a liver transplant in November, And I said to him, I said, you know, Chris Carmack performed a liver transplant on an episode of Grey's Anatomy. Should I have him fly in? So, but at any rate. But all that stuff. I mean, look, you learn the ability to fake an operation. You learn the ability to say, I know how to build my relationship to cutting open a rubber cadaver 
and live off of it like it's a human being. I know how to to stick my hands into the chest cavity of a rubber cadaver and pick up a rubber heart that has fake blood all over it and live off of it like it is a real heart. I mean, that's all this. And I do it with enormous confidence. I can make anything believable, A, and I can make anything interesting. And then I'm home free. I Don't Need an Acting Class is created and hosted by Milton Justice. Producer is me, Walker Vreeland, and director of online media is Evan Sollers. Music is by Jeffrey Kieser. And for more info on Jeffrey's work, you can go to jeffreykieser.com. Uh, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Uh, you can find us online, I don't need an acting class.com. You can also follow us on Instagram, and uh, you can continue to send your questions to Milton at questionsformilton at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you back here next week.